Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Episode 204 of the Read to Lead podcast is brought to you by Cloud Accounting Software FreshBooks and by Gusto. FreshBooks offering a free 30-day trial with access to all their features. To find out more, visit freshbooks.com slash read to lead. Gusto is refreshingly easy payroll, benefits, and HR for the modern small business. Currently offering an exclusive limited time deal. Sign up today and get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com slash read to lead. I've always been an ambitious guy, and so I've always leaned on just having a little more coffee, staying up a little bit later, working a little bit harder. The the, the problem with that strategy is that it works, but you can't do that forever. If this is your first time visiting the Read to Lead podcast, welcome. If this is not your first time, welcome anyway. Hi, I'm Jeff Brown, and I believe that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then intentional and consistent reading is an absolute must. Now, the Read to Lead podcast is not only going to help you narrow this important reading list, but bring you key ideas and valuable insights from some of today's brightest minds, people I consider our most successful and inspiring authors, folks like Jeff Sanders. He'll be joining us in just a moment, and he's the author of a brand new book out today called The Free Time Formula, Finding Happiness, Focus, and Productivity No Matter How Busy You Are. And I'm going to ask Jeff to share about methods for filtering all the incoming stuff, the invitations, the new ideas and projects, help with blocking distractions to ensure your important work gets done, how you can schedule a sabbatical even if you work a full-time job, and much, much more. If you've heard last week's episode, then you likely know that that's not a very easy kind of episode to do. And I am so, so very thankful to each and every person who reached out to me via email or phone uh, just to encourage me. Uh, And it was so uh, very uh, humbling and uplifting to hear from the number of of people that I've heard from uh, this last week. So if you were one of those, thank you so very much. A couple other folks who I would quickly like to say thanks to because they make a podcast like this one possible uh, are the folks at Gusto and Cloud Accounting Software uh, FreshBooks. Most small businesses don't have an HR expert, but you don't need one to use Gusto. With great software like Gusto and their great service, you can focus on your business, not things like payroll and paperwork. You no longer have to be a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and great service for your team. With Gusto, you've got one login and one password to remember. Things like tax payments, filings, and forms become automated. Their payroll truly is flexible with unlimited payrolls, off-cycle payrolls, multiple states, multiple schedules and pay rates, and on and on and on. And ditch the HR spreadsheets. Gusto helps you onboard employees, manage time off, and stay compliant. 
And the best news of all is Gusto is offering right now an exclusive limited time deal. When you sign up today, you get three months of Gusto free once you've run your first payroll. If you'd like to find out more about this, go to this special link. It's gusto.com slash read to lead. Well, with tax season here, there is a good chance that uh, you may be trying to dig your way out from underneath a pile of, of receipts and spreadsheets. If if that's a common theme for you this time of year, then do yourself a huge favor and stop all that digging before you completely disappear under that abyss of paperwork by going out and checking out FreshBooks cloud accounting software at freshbooks.com slash read to lead. Now, not only is FreshBooks going to save you a ton of time and stress, things that Jeff and I will be talking about here in just a moment, but it might actually change the way you feel about dealing with your taxes, if you can believe that. One of the things I personally love about FreshBooks is it makes sending my accountant the things he needs super simple. Things like pulling together a profit and loss summary, expenses for the year, all that stuff is as simple as a few clicks in FreshBooks. And one of my favorite things about FreshBooks is I've connected my business debit card to FreshBooks. So every time I use that card, that expense gets tracked by FreshBooks automatically. And best of all, it's made especially for people like you and me. Well, I'll speak for myself. For people like me who don't like dealing with numbers and their taxes. And right now, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial where you get access to all the features inside FreshBooks. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead. That's freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. Jeff Sanders is a keynote speaker and author of at least one book you're probably familiar with. It's one we featured uh, just over a couple of years ago here on the podcast, episode 107, a book called The 5 A.M. Miracle. And he's also the founder of the Rocking uh, Productivity Academy, or I guess I need to say it the cool way, the Rockin' Productivity Academy. (laughs) Jeff is also the host of the 5 A.M. Miracle podcast, a podcast I am constantly chasing. Uh, ranked uh, number one in iTunes in the self-help and business categories, uh, has been nominated for five podcast awards and exceeded five million downloads. He is a plant-based marathon runner and a personal development junkie. And every week you can uh, find Jeff writing and speaking at his website, jeffsanders.com. Now, his brand new book is called The Free Time Formula, Finding Happiness, Focus, and Productivity, No Matter How Busy You Are. Jeff, it is so exciting to have you back here after a two-year hiatus on the show. So welcome back. Well, thanks, Jeff. Yeah, I'm excited to be back. It's always good to be on this show. I, I, I love it. I listen to your podcast as well. I have since since day one, so it's been great. I want to toss out sort of a book-specific question uh, to you here first. Now that you've you've turned out book number two, does does it get any easier, or is it just as hard as it was the first time? Um, I would say it actually does get easier in terms of how um, how I write books now. In that sense, like I have kind of figured out uh, a way that I like to write. So mm-hmm. this book was written a lot faster than my last. Uh, actually, I've written two books before this. The first one was never published. So <laughs> that one will might stay That's in the dark right. ages. <laughs> uh, but beyond that, like I have uh, I have enough practice now of writing books that I think I've got a, to a good rhythm of figuring out how to uh, to say what I want to say quickly. And then I stay focused in the time that I'm writing because um, these kinds of books, I mean, they could take a, a year or more to write if you really wanted to space it out. Uh, but I knocked this thing out in about two and a half months. And that was really like some very intense couple of months. But um, I know that's the way I like to write. And it, it worked out pretty well. Well, as I read it, one thing I noticed was the writing style. I really liked 
your style of writing. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed uh, an ebb and flow in and just that at all in the last few years. But I, I found it fun to learn from you, I guess, is the best way to put it. Yeah, that's that. I mean, the writing style, I think, is really just my way of I, I'm trying to write in a way that is helpful. I think that's what I, I thought the whole time I was writing. I was thinking, well, how can I be as clear as possible? How can I say what I want to say as quickly as possible? <laughs> how can I do so in a way that's helpful? And I think that that has really kind of helped me stay more uh, more approachable. Like I didn't want to sound like an academic or sound like I'm just like, hey, I'm an author writing a book. Like, listen to me. It was much more like, hey, like I have some things that I would love to share with you. Like, let's talk about it. And I think that that came across in the way that I wanted it to. Well, Jeff and I live in the same town and we see each other at various events. Uh, but I learned something about Jeff early on in the book that I'm not sure I remembered hearing about before. Jeff, is it possible that the guy who writes the free time formula is the same guy that ends up in the ER because because of stress? Uh, yes, that's the story. <laughs> uh, I don't like saying that. But yeah, that's, that's the case. Um, I think this is one of those like this was my like moment in my life where like everything shifted. Um, up to this point in my life, like, I mean, I'm, I'm 33. I've never had any major health problems. I have always been like the very ambitious guy, the 5 a.m. wake up guy, um, you know, the marathon running guy. But last year, um, about this time last year, it was probably, you know, the spring ish time of 2017, I was working a lot and, and loving what I was doing. I took on a lot of new projects and I was, I was really excited about them. But I overbooked my own calendar. Mm. And then, of course, in the middle of life, things popped up that I didn't see coming. And then I had no space in my calendar to, to address those things that popped up. And so I got really stressed out really fast and then found myself just scrambling like crazy for a couple of months. And the culmination of all that was that I basically had a stress-induced panic attack that resulted in me going to the ER. And uh, what the, the official word was I had an esophageal spasm, mm. which means I choked on some food that I was eating. And um, I didn't I wasn't I, I could still breathe, but I felt like a heart attack was happening. Like it was really intense pressure in my chest. Mm. And so I had to ride an ambulance, go to the ER, have the you know, chest X-rays and the whole deal. And the doctor said I was fine. Like he's like, you're healthy. You're, you're just killing yourself. So stop mm. doing that. <laughs> and that, so that was my story of just like, wait a minute, like I need to change something. I can't continue at this vigorous pace I'm going and I think that, you know, for a long time in my 20s, uh, I could go at that pace without any major repercussions. Uh, but I guess I don't know. I'm older now. Things are changing. So it's <laughs> one of those realizations that I have to I have to, to, to change if I want to really be able to sustain this kind of lifestyle long term. Well, I've always considered you an ambitious guy and, and you've obviously done well. Would you say uh, this is an example that story you just described, an example of how ambition can can backfire if you're not careful? Oh, certainly. I think that I I've always been an ambitious guy and I've always thought that, you know, if I just push harder, that that would be the answer mm -hmm. to getting the next thing I wanted. And so I've always leaned on just having a little more coffee, staying up a little bit later, working a little bit harder. And the, the, the problem with that strategy is that it works. And so you get <laughs> results, right? It, it actually does pan out and you do make progress, but you can't do that forever. Mm -hmm. And so I found that out just very clearly when I found myself just like I kept seeing like how much more can I pack into my day and the problem with that is is that the day is finite you cannot just continue to squeeze more in like there is a limit and so I hit that limit and it backfired on me in a very vigorous way and a way that I, I never want to have happen again <laughs> and so it's just that realization that if you want to have a let's call it an ambitious pace at life there has to be a way to um, have the ambition, but then intentionally build in the breaks and the margin uh, that allow you to replenish you know, what you need to get back into it again later on. 
Well, let's talk a bit about margin. How do you define free time exactly, Jeff? And, and how is it that many of us have more of it than we think we do? Well, the way that I discuss free time in the book is a way that I just I really dawned on me probably last year um, about the, the whole concept of having time and wanting to be able to uh, to get the time I need to take a break. And I was thinking about this from the concept of, well, if all of my time is available for me to kind of pick and choose what I want to do. In reality, I don't have like work time and then a little free time on the side. All of my time is actually free time. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I approach it is that every hour of every day is up to me. And I get to decide what to do with it. Now, that's the case even if you have a full-time job and a mortgage and kids. Like, it's still true that all of your time is your own. We just need to make the decisions about, like, how that time is spent in a way that is most effective. And so instead of thinking of it as, you know, I have all these obligations and then maybe I'll have an hour for Netflix tonight. (laughs) It's more along the lines of if all of my time is up to me, how can I reframe my entire life to ensure that I'm going to get the most out of my day? And and with that perspective, like I don't view kind of the the, the fringe hours you know, as free time. Those are really time for me to replenish or just time to balance out the work that I did earlier in the day. And so in that sense, free time to me is all the time I have. Now, what am I going to do with it? What's the best way to balance out my whole life? And how does that result in me at the end of the week having accomplished the goals that I wanted and still have the rest that I needed to be able to sustain that for the next week? And more specifically, Jeff, uh, talk about flexibility over uh, control and, and the necessity of, of what you call, uh, I think it's underbooking your calendar. Yeah, I think that's a strategy that I realized uh, just uh, it hit me like a ton of bricks once I realized it is that I have always tried to you know schedule my time in a way that says, OK, well, tomorrow I'll have let's call it an eight hour work day. And so I'm going to schedule eight hours of work. But that doesn't work because there's so much that pops up. There are so many things we can't predict. Uh, and the projects that I even would schedule for myself may not take eight hours to finish. They might take 10 or 12 or longer. Mm. And so all of a sudden, this eight-hour workday becomes a 15 or 16-hour workday, and I have no time for rest or sleep. And so what I realize is that I have to intentionally underbook my calendar even though it pains me to do so, I have to like literally look at my calendar and say, I'm only going to book like four hours of actual work and leave a lot of white space because I know that stuff's going to pop up. I know that I'm going to have new ideas. I know the work I'm going to, I'm going to be doing will take longer than I think. Like that just always is the case. And so under booking my calendar seems to be the only strategy that is effective long-term to allow me to have the margin, you know, kind of baked in in a way that actually pans out in real life. So when tomorrow shows up and I only have four hours booked, magically, I actually am able to get the work done that I wanted to get done, and I didn't freak out in the process of trying to do it, and I still had the flexibility and the margin that I needed built in. Uh, but that really takes intentionality. It takes, I mean, there's a lot of changes that have to be made that be possible. You may have a busy nine to five job where that's really difficult to pull off, but the goal is to think of it through those terms. Like, how can I schedule less how can I cut the nonsense and how do I get myself to a place where, you know, I am doing the things that matter, but I'm not trying to do uh, more than I actually have time to get done. Mm. Something I still struggle with sometimes is is how to filter all the incoming stuff that, you know, the invitations, the the new ideas, the potential new projects. What, what advice would you give uh, for someone who struggles with that like me? I mean, that's my boat, too. It's like we are, <laughs> there's always lots of new things to pursue. And I, I find that to be. Uh, my biggest struggle. This is, I think, a quote from Steve Jobs from years ago that, you know, the things that he was most proud of at Apple were the things they didn't do because that was what he was able to filter out. He was able to cut and say, we're not going to do 
all these other things that we had planned to do with our company. Instead, we're going to focus and do you know these three things. I think like that's everyone's struggle, especially if you're an entrepreneur or you're in the boat where you know you can choose your own time. There are infinite possibilities of things to do, and you literally cannot choose all of them. So you have to make cuts. And so the only way to be able to move forward effectively is to decide ahead of time, like, here are my focus points. Here are the few things I'm going to pursue. And then when new ideas pop up, I'll still record them. I'll have a place to write them down and then revisit those later on. But I can't let the new ideas constantly, you know, derail me from my current priorities. And, you know, I'm the kind of guy that I get lots of ideas every single day. So I have to record new ideas every single day somewhere and ignore them. And then be able to move forward on what I'm, I said I would do that day. Um, I'm really bad at this, actually. Like, this, this is a struggle for me. But, like, it's I have to do it because there's no other way that I would actually stick to my plan if I didn't have, you know, some filters and boundaries built in to ensure uh, that I can stay focused. Uh, I, I, you're speaking my language. That's a struggle for me, too. But your book has been very, very helpful in this in this regard. Now, I know you're an avid runner, and, and uh, can I call you fitness geek? Would that be apropos? <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, what role do these things play in, in, in your productivity? I realized years ago that uh, my health had been undervalued in my life. That's mm-hmm. why my, my early to mid-20s, um, I got to a point where you know I'd come out of college where basically I was drinking all the time, eating whatever I wanted, and I, that didn't carry well into my working adult life. And I, I realized pretty quickly, like, I have to change how I live. And so I had this epiphany that, like, I need to eat better. I need to take care of myself. But I didn't realize until a few years into that journey how important my health was to my ability to get my work done. And that connection like blew my mind. And I realized, wait a minute, if I am healthy, if I'm you know running marathons, if I'm eating a healthy diet, if I'm really prioritizing my health then I take a lot of extra energy and enthusiasm and vibrance to my work. And then I'm able to get more work done faster. All the quality bar goes up. Like it's just, it's amazing how many things happen because I'm healthy when I come to my work day. And so the opposite is also true. If I'm not healthy, if I'm exhausted, if I'm sick, if I don't feel well, it's very difficult to focus. It's very difficult to get anything of quality done. And so the more that I've seen kind of those two things play out, the more obvious it is over time that health has to be my priority. And obviously last year I did a very poor job of that and it really played out in a very negative way. And so there's just this, you know, there's reminders in life that when we take care of ourselves, we can actually be our best. Then we bring that to our work and then our work improves and we can get more done faster. And then we have even more time uh, to take care of ourselves or have the margin we need. And so I think that it, it all kind of plays together as one really nice rhythm where you can prioritize your health and then let that lead into the work you're doing. How wonderful is it that, that you have leveraged that event in your life from last year and found the, the silver lining in it uh, to help help the rest of us? I really appreciate that about you. Jeff talks about this uh, addiction, the number one addiction, he says, that, that 90% of us, at least Americans, uh, suffer from. Jeff, what is that addiction and, and how can we successfully break it? Uh, it's one that I'm actually enjoying right now, which is coffee. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> uh, which is kind of funny to me because I think for a long time, like I've been kind of a, a coffee drinker since I was probably 14 years old. Mm-hmm. And it never really hit me that coffee was an addiction 
until I found myself kind of in that same vein of of working way too much and then relying on coffee as my crutch to get myself through the day. And so I've seen, you know, plenty of examples over the years of, you know, I'll drink too much coffee and then the next day, like I can't sleep well. And so I'm extra tired. So I have more coffee and this this trend continues. So I had this realization probably six months ago or during the process of writing the book where I was going to take 30 days off of caffeine, which is a kind of a shocking and horrible thing to think about <laughs> if you love coffee. Um, and this is one thing I actually talked to this on, on Facebook. I was asking people, like, have you ever done like a break from caffeine and how did it go? And people were either saying I would never try that <laughs> or I've done it and I will never do it again. Like it's these horrible stories. But I tried it. I did 30 days of no caffeine. And, you know, the first two weeks were rough. I slept a lot. I was really tired. But what I realized in those 30 days was that coffee was definitely a crutch for me. I definitely do not need as much as I was consuming. I had let my tolerance level kind of get to a point where I had to drink a lot more every day to feel the same effects. Like it's just the typical things you see with any kind of addictive behavior. And most of us do this. Most people in America especially drink coffee every single day without question. Like there's a lot of things we'll give up. But for some reason, coffee is not one of those. And I feel like if you want to be your best self and you want to be productive, you have to be willing to admit to yourself all the areas of your life that could be improved. And I saw that very clearly myself that caffeine was definitely a crutch that had to be addressed. And so I did that 30 days off. Let's let's see what happens. And when I came out of that 30 days, I very slowly began to integrate coffee back into my life. Uh, to the point now where I maybe only will have one or two cups max per day, whereas before I was having four to five cups of extra strength coffee a day. Like mm. the difference in caffeine levels is enormous. And I don't need it. Like I just don't need to have that extra stimulus every day. Uh, and it's, it becomes a, a really a major problem as opposed to a solution. And if I want to be my best and be productive and, and, and sustainably like continue that long term, uh, that I can't have things in my life. Uh, that I can't reliably do every day uh, that are allowing me to be my best self. Hmm. Well, I know you love books, and in the last year, I've enjoyed a lot of, of great books on on how to work in in a more focused way. Books like uh, Deep Work by by Cal Newport is a favorite of mine. I think it's one of yours as well. Definitely. Uh, how do you suggest we block distractions so that we can better get important work done? What are some tactics we can leverage from your experience to block those things out? One of the things that I I saw like with the, the book itself is when I wrote the book, I realized that, you know, I work from home and I cannot write at home for some reason. Like it's the worst place in the world to focus. Mm. You know, I've got my dog here. My wife works from home. There's a lot of distractions here. I, I could do the laundry if I wanted to There's <laughs> television, like whatever it is that's here. It doesn't matter what it is. I can find a reason to not do my work and do anything else. So with the book, I decided I'm going to go to a library here in Nashville and just kind of hide myself in the corner and just write for as many hours as it takes every day till it gets done. And it blew my mind just how focused and effective that was. Like I was able to you know, go to a small place in the library, hide away from every other person that was there. I had my coffee. I had my snacks. I had a bathroom. I had Wi-Fi. Like I'd all <laughs> need it. And that was it. And that was perfect. But I was able to sit down and, and do my job, uh, work for, let's say, four hours and then leave. And I did that day after day. And it was so powerfully effective. Like I got so much work done, so few distractions. Now, that's based on the idea that I knew the things that distracted me. I was able to identify here are the things that that pull me away from what I want to do. And then ask myself, like, what's the solution to this? How do I not have that distraction anymore? I mean, simple things like turn your phone off while you're working or, you know, lock your office door if you have to or unplug your phone. Uh, back when I had a nine to five job, I uh, we had a program for instant messaging. And I actually deleted the program from the computer. 
And then I had my coworkers like calling me and coming to my office and be like, why can't I find you online? I'm like, I'm not online. Don't find me. Like, don't, <laughs> don't look for me. And like I was doing things intentionally to hide away from other people who I knew were distractions. Mm. And so it, it takes that kind of behavior and that kind of decision ahead of time to say, these are the things that I can identify that throw me off my work. And here's how I can make sure that in certain blocks of my day, those are not distractions. Now, it's not a 24-7 thing. Of course, you'll have time for email. You'll have time for phone calls, time for coworkers. But that can't be all day, every day. Like, there has to be a break somewhere. And so if you can create kind of a focused block of time or a, a way for you to hide away, it is incredibly effective and very, uh, very powerful if you want to say, like, here's my one task to get done. Let's go get it done and then move on. And I find that works every single time. Well, uh, when it comes to a calendar system, tracking appointments and to-dos and, and my biggest goals, I use a bit of a hybrid system, a, a planner uh, along with a digital calendar. I'd love to know what some of your calendar strategies are. We, we've danced around some of this and hit on, on a few things here and there, but I'd love for you to dig deeper into what some of your calendar strategies are for scheduling what matters. Do you use a hybrid system or, or something else? I used to use a, a day planner um, probably about 10 years ago, and then I slowly phased it out. And I'm all digital now at this point. And so I use um, kind of the calendar that comes on my Mac, and I use a task manager called Nozbe. That's N-O-Z-B-E. Uh, it's a, a task management program that I use for kind of the little things throughout the day, uh, lots of the smaller tasks that I need to get done but aren't necessarily that important. And then I use my calendar to actually schedule the big events. Those you know, must-dos, um, like today's interview with Jeff Brown, I was on my calendar to make sure that that was going to be there. Um, you know, the, the things that really matter are on the calendar. And I take uh, David Allen's approach to this, which is you know, his getting things done methodology, which is that your calendar is sacred space. And you really only want to put the things on the calendar that you are committing to, the things that you definitely want to see happen. And so because of that, there's a lot of things that I could put on the calendar that I don't that end up in Evernote as my way to store ideas for later. And that has actually become a much bigger component recently for me as I've realized that over time I was taking ideas that would come in and I would just naturally say, oh, I have time on Friday afternoon. I'll do it then. But that's not the point. The point is to ask yourself, does this thing ever actually have to get done? If the answer is no, then I don't schedule it immediately. And then if it does have to get done, then I will find the ideal time to get it done. Then it becomes an actual event on the calendar. And so it's really about having a higher bar to, for the events to meet. Like everything has to be important or it's not going to get my time. And that's really a kind of a way of living that says, like, I'm only going to agree to do things that are truly important to me. And when you do that, you're able to filter out a lot of things that otherwise would just be distractions from the things that matter most. And so that's kind of the philosophy that I have. And then I carry that into the programs that I use to figure out, you know, how do I say yes to things that matter and how do I just set aside the other things that for now don't. And of course, over time, I may go back through those those lists and find ideas I have that now matter that didn't before, mm. and I'll bring them back to life. But it's a process where you're constantly asking yourself, like, how can I only spend time on the few things that matter most? And then how can those things actually land on you know the tool that I'm using now to schedule my time? And I think with that in place, uh, it's so much easier to stay focused and, and so much easier to filter out what doesn't matter yet. 
Do you look at your uh, calendar at the beginning of the year and, and carve out some of those uh, truly, you know, sacred moments, you know, for birthdays or anniversaries and things like that and vacations? And do you have a, sort of a quarterly, monthly, weekly review process? What, what does that look like exactly? Yeah. So it really does start with looking at the year overall. I will plan out kind of the big stuff like, you know, a, a week vacation or a major event like a birthday. Um, I travel back to Missouri. My family lives. I could do that frequently throughout the year. Uh, so those trips are usually pre-booked as well. Um, but then kind of on a routine basis, I don't schedule my goals that I'm working on on a yearly basis. Mm. Um, I do those much more short term. Uh, so I might have like, let's say that by the end of the year, I'd like to hit like X number of dollars in revenue for my business. But on a short term basis of the goals that I'm actually trying trying to achieve, those are only scheduled really about maybe a month or two out at most. Mm. And so I'm really taking a very short term approach to what I'm focusing on because I have seen just over time, it's so clear that I just cannot predict the future. And my my life and my business change so fast and so frequently that there's no reason to schedule things far in advance most of the time because they're going to change anyway. <laughs> so I really just try to say like what matters in the next couple of weeks and how can I make sure that that stuff is going to get done? And that has played out really well. Now, I looked back, you know, 2017 and said, like, well, how did last year go? And the answer was it went well. Like I did I did the things I wanted to do and a lot was able to happen. And I was flexible enough to kind of you know take opportunities when they popped up. And that was only because I was scheduling my life in short term chunks, which I just I, I really can't imagine doing it any other way at this point, because I know that my life is going to change and I want it to be able to change. So I'll just focus on the next big thing, knock that thing out, and then kind of regroup and decide what's coming up next. And then throughout that process, yes, I have weekly reviews, monthly reviews, quarterly reviews uh, as ways to analyze that progress and then make better choices going forward. Uh, so I definitely have a huge focus in my life with review processes because uh, those are so incredible to analyze what you're doing, how you're doing it well, how you're not doing it well. Um, I'm not always great at that, as is evidenced by last year, but there's definitely ways to uh, constantly uh, relook at the way you're living and working and find better ways to do it. Mm. Something I, I'm trying to be more intentional about in, in 2018 is you know, a sabbatical, maybe a month long, just time mm. away from everything. Uh, you know, to plan, reflect, focus, uh, talk about the value of doing that. And, and, and more specifically, you know, if, if, if you're someone working maybe a regular job, how, how does that happen or does it? Well, it's a great question. Actually, I met a guy last fall um, named Sean West. Do you know him, Jeff? Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's a guy that has written a, a book. Actually, you know, he's working on the book now. I think it's called Sabbatical. Um, that's supposed to come out later this year. And when I met him, he was talking about how in the last by five to six years of running his business, he has done a sabbatical every seventh week. And so he'll work for six weeks and have the seventh week off. And this uh, same thing applies to all of his employees as well in his business. So they will work a six week sprint and have a one week kind of not only vacation, but like one week we are not allowed to work every seventh <laughs> week. And that process has been, he said, revolutionary for him. Like I was just blown away talking to him about it because he said like it has it's the reason why he's able to stay creative and refreshed and has the breaks built in that he needs um, and for his employees as well. And, you know, at first when I heard this, I was like, there's no way I could take that much time off every year. Uh, but I have started that process and I, I'm now integrating those into my business. Um, my first couple of sabbaticals have gone through very poorly because I just tend to work too much. Uh, I had a really hard time setting the boundary for myself, uh, but I'm getting better at that. And so that's been an intentional practice now that I'm adding in as a way to say there's going to be a, a guaranteed kind of break 
somewhere in the middle of all of this busyness. Like there has to be something we're working towards, like an end result. And if the work continues week after week without any breaks ever built in, then it feels monotonous and it's it feels like there's just you know an endless amount to do with never any reprieve from that and that's exhausting and that's really kind of demoralizing if you want to be able to stay you know upbeat and enthusiastic with your work um, and even if you have a day job, you can still build these things in. It may not be every seventh week, but you may be able to pre-plan your vacations, pre-plan uh, long weekends, like whatever it takes to say like I'm going to be intentional about time off, and when I have time off, like I'm not going to work. And when that time shows up, I'm going to intentionally schedule things that replenish me, like intentionally schedule things that bring life back into me. Uh, For example, you would probably not just say, I'm just going to lay on the couch the whole weekend and watch Netflix because that generally doesn't play out that well. Like it might work for an evening. It might work occasionally. But as I've seen this just with myself as well, it's like we think that, you know, things like just laying on the couch might be what we want to do. And it is when we're exhausted, but it's not a sustainable long term practice to really optimize that free time. And so I think sabbaticals give us a chance to really analyze, like, how can I make the most of the time that I have and how can I replenish myself in a way that brings me back to work refreshed and energized and ready to work? And and so that's my focus with sabbaticals is figuring out how to schedule them well and then when they show up, how to make the most of that time. Mm, Good advice. Well, Jeff, I have a a couple of questions I want to ask you that aren't directly related to the book. But before I do, uh, what else from the book, if anything, would you like to make sure that, that we know? Uh, there's one kind of major focus throughout the book that I just get really excited about, which I call <laughs> cut the nonsense, mm. uh, because it's something that I see in my life every day, which is that I spend time every day doing things that never have to happen. Mm. And that bugs me. Like it really gets under my skin. And so I really want to figure out ways in my own life uh, to make sure that I don't spend time on that stuff that I, I define as nonsense. Right. It's things that literally just are a waste of time. And if I can remove those to the best of my ability, that frees up enormous amounts of time to be able to do anything else. And that's kind of the point. It's like one of the easiest ways to have more free time is to stop doing things that never have to get done. And then automatically you have more time to do the things you want to do. And so I think that that's a a major focus that I have had in my own life and one that I discussed a lot throughout the book because I think it's just so important to constantly remind yourself that there is something better to be doing than what I'm doing now. What is that thing and how do I get to it as soon as possible? Well, I mentioned uh, earlier that uh, we had you on before. It was, uh, I think, late 2015 for episode 107. And uh, one of the questions I asked you then is a question I want to ask you now, but I I want to challenge you to pick different books than you suggested back then. And I'm going to remind you what those were. Uh, The book you recommended first was Essentialism by Greg McEwen, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less. And you also recommended the One Thing, The Surprisingly Simple Truth Behind Extraordinary Results by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. So in the last couple of years since you've appeared here before, what books have you read since then, Jeff, that have stuck out to you as, as being really valuable reads and books that you're, you're glad you found? Uh, the first one is one I just finished reading, uh, Your Best Year Ever with Michael Hyatt. Ah, yeah. um, that, uh, I've been through his course before with that book as well. And I think that it, well, now is a good time to go through a book like that as it's you know, the beginning of the year. And I think it's a great planning perspective. I love the questions he has in the book. I love the filtering way to look at your schedule 
And it's just I think Michael Hyatt's book there really taps into and, and his whole philosophy around scheduling really taps into a very effective way to approach your day. Um, actually, I went to a, a live event of his a few months ago. I remember leaving the event and I, I already finished my book at this point and I went to the event and, and the whole time I was there thinking, man, he has everything that I should have said in that book. Like he's, <laughs> he's doing all of this better than me. And so that really <laughs> bugged me because he's a guy that I always lean on and a guy that I learn from like crazy because he's always, for some reason, on the cutting edge of everything that's going on. Mm. And I just I just I, don't, I just love it. It's fantastic. A second book that I've uh, reread recently is The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Mm. I reread his books probably every year to every two years because I just they're short and they're easy to read and they're super motivational mm. and they're just they're incredible. The War of Art, um, the Turning Pro, and a few others as well. But uh, this, the War of Art especially is phenomenal if you consider yourself to be a creative person or someone that you you want to do your best every day and bring your best self to your job. Uh, Stephen Pressfield's attitude and his perspective is so uh, blunt and so in your face, but I love just how clear he is and how direct he is. And I think it's a really powerful way to uh, to get yourself uh, you know, pumped up to do your best work. Well, Jeff, I know you're doing uh, ever more public speaking. We mentioned your, your keynote speaking early on. And I think and I think you would agree with this. The art of public speaking and, and your ability to just relate effectively to other people is probably as important as just about any skill. Uh, you, you can hone, I think, if you want to be successful. So so as a successful keynote speaker, I want to ask you, what are some of your tips for, for delivering uh, an impactful and, and memorable public talk? One thing that I have thought of in the last couple of years is I've done you know more speaking is that uh, when you're on stage, the people you're talking to are people, which I think is a weird thing to think about. <laughs> but like I do the same thing with my podcast. It's like I'm not talking to an audience, I'm not talking to a group of random strangers. Like I'm talking to a human being who is, you know, either they're forced to listen to me talk or they volunteered for it. Either way, they're going to be with me for the next, you know, 30 minutes, an hour, whatever it is. And so I want to be able to relate to them. I want to be able to have a conversation. Like I, I really kind of have realized uh, as, as someone also who listens to speeches and goes to talks that I don't want the speaker on stage to look like they are kind of like the, the all powerful, almighty person who's going to you know, bestow wisdom on me. I would rather the person have a conversation with me. And so that's the approach that I take is that I want to be able to talk to someone you know, like we're friends. And I want to be able to have a real discussion about things that matter and things that are helpful, because I've seen that that's what causes kind of more more Q&A afterwards, more questions to come in, more kind of integration with the, the content. Like People want to learn more because they feel like this applies to me. This this guy understands me. I feel like that's how I want to approach the way that I talk is that like there is something to be said here. Let, let's have a conversation. Let's dig into it. Let's relate on, on a similar plane. And I think that the more that I can get to that and the less that I feel like I'm the guy in the suit on the stage, uh, the better it becomes for a, a much better interaction overall. And so that's usually my approach with speaking. And it's one that I'm trying to get better at. Uh, but the more that I do it, I, I see better results there. Well, with book uh, number two now officially under your belt, I, I know early part of 2018 will include uh, getting the word out about that book. But as you look further down the road to the remainder of this year, what's ahead that you're able to talk about that you and your team are excited uh, looking forward? Well, I would say the one big thing that will certainly change my entire life is that my wife and I are pregnant mm. uh, for the first time. And so in July of this year, my whole life's going to turn upside down. <laughs> it's going to be great. Um, so to say that I've planned business projects beyond July is not true. <laughs> I have not and I won't. Um, what I have planned is just projects that I want to get done before that happens and then uh, kind of a new lifestyle that's going to happen afterwards. So um, I think that I, for the most part, I may be a, a stay at home working from home dad. 
uh, which is cool with me. And just uh, I need to figure out how that's going to play into my projects and you know how to outsource various parts of my work. So uh, nothing specific that I'm doing this year that I'm going to release. But I know that the way that I'm approaching my work is going to be changing dramatically. I've already seen those changes taking place now. Mm. I think this, this plays into what a lot of people have. Like we, if you know something's coming down the road, like you can begin to change before that happens. And I've seen a lot of that in myself that I'm making a lot of transitions now uh, to prepare for a new way of living. And I'm excited about that. I think it's going to provide a lot of insights into ways to be more effective. At this point, it's just a matter of saying like, I'm going to get done whatever I can. And then, uh, <laughs> From there, we'll, we'll see what happens. I wonder if down the road there might be another book that uh, helps new dads in similar scenarios. <laughs> well, I mean, there is no doubt that in the last, let's call it six years, that the number one question I get that I never answer is, how do you be productive as a parent? Mm. Um, I have avoided that like crazy because I don't have the answer. Um, I, I brought on guests on my own show and talked about that, uh, but I'm excited now to actually have my own advice. So that's really great. Awesome. Well, the book, again, is called The Free Time Formula, Finding Happiness, Focus, and Productivity, no matter how busy you are. His name is Jeff Sanders. Find him at jeffsanders.com. We'll link everything up, of course, uh, in the show notes as well. The book is available now, so go grab it. Buy 10. Do yourself a favor. Give them, give them away to family and friends. Jeff, thank you so much for taking time to be a part of the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. Brown. It's been phenomenal today. If you'd like to connect with Jeff, you can find him over on Twitter at Jeff Sanders TV. That's at Jeff Sanders TV on Twitter. And of course, all the links and resources we talked about, including more information on Jeff's book, can be found at the page created especially for this episode. And you'll find that at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 204 for episode 204. If you'd be at all interested in joining a book club led by yours truly, a club where we meet virtually at the end of each month to discuss the book we're reading together and help one another apply it to our lives, along with book summaries each month and a private Facebook group for ongoing discussion, then be sure and check out Read to Lead University over at readtoleaduniversity.com. It's just a dollar a day to participate, and there's no risk. Try it for 30 days, and if you don't love everything about it, you get your money back. Again, that's readtoleaduniversity.com. Thanks again to our sponsors making this episode possible. Fresh Books with a free 30-day trial available to you. No obligation and access to 100% of Fresh Books features free for 30 days. Go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. Thanks also to Gusto, a refreshingly easy payroll benefits and HR solution for the modern small business where you no longer have to be a big company to get great technology, great Great benefits and great service to take care of your team. Sign up today and you get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com slash read to lead. Well, that does it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, remember, leaders read and readers lead. Read.